Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Crit Chat, where a group of DMs get together every week to discuss the important things in life, like how there just aren't enough rules in this game. I mean, come on. <laughs> Everyone loves rules, right? Well, this week, uh, to help me put some bounds on this realm of infinite imagination, uh, we have Anna Delman, uh, new to the podcast, also known as A Tapper 10. Hey. We have Emily Kuklinski, also known as the Punny Emily. Hello. And we have Kai Yu, also known as Kai Yu. Hello. Uh, and finally, me as your temporary host for today, uh, Alfred Clark, also known as Penny Blue. So uh, this week, we're talking about house rules. Um, we're going to go through some of the ones that we love using in our home games. And But before that, um, I'd like to get some advice on how what things to think about when you're designing rules um to use at home so we're going to go with the d4 roll that's a four so emily why don't you start us off oh boy uh the things that i like to think about when i'm drafting up my my rules are who am i playing with are these people who have um who are new to the game and if they're new should I kind of vanilla some of the rules that we're playing with? Um, are they more experienced where we uh, we have the freedom to kind of go more by the book? Uh, do they like puns? Can I incorporate some pun rules to the game? <laughs> uh, the correct answer is they... yes for every game. <laughs> and uh, also just thinking about their play style. Like if they like combat a lot, maybe upping some of the combat rules that we have. If they don't, kind of axing some of it so it's more narrative heavy. So those are the main things that I like to think about, Mister Mister Penny Blue. Mm, nice, yeah. Cutting cutting some combat. That, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. I didn't think of rules that removed rules. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to rule some of the things out. Mm. Sorry. I'm roll the d4 again. It's a two. Uh, Anna. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Emily. Um, I, I really love working in how character or how players like to play their characters. Um, but also how I'd want to DM, like how much power I have. Because um, sometimes you want to have a game where um, the players have more control. Um, or if you want to tell like a story, then you kind of shape the rules a little bit so that you have a little more sort of god power over the world so yeah it's like do you want to do you want to be able to guide your players through certain areas because then you kind of bend the rules to make that possible what kind of dm do you want to be for that game yeah that's interesting i guess that yeah it kind of ties into what we we're talking about last week with um group sizes and maybe mm -hmm. taking taking more of a hold on the game when there's a lot of players and stuff yeah totally um, okay let's go to it's gonna be it's gonna be me or kai that is Kai. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so yeah, I've, when I want to think about creating rules, um, I think the most important thing is necessity, as it is the mother of invention. You have to decide, we have to figure out why you want to create a rule. Is it because you don't think the rules in the game are fun, or do you want to add a new mechanic? Uh, and you, you just sort of, you've got to be careful about doing these things, because uh, when you think about it, like the people who the people of Wizards of the Coast who made Dungeons & Dragons, they're proper game professionals, and 
game design professionals and you're not so they probably know a bit better than you so um, my, my, my aim in life is to have a business card that says proper game professional <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um no so just uh just be wary and always be ready to adjust it and change it if it doesn't work don't be too steadfast in your in your rules choices yeah that's a good that's a good tip i think um it kind of ties into what um i'll definitely want to be talking about later like trying to make sure you're taking advantage of the existing rules to get your stuff in um yeah that's that's pretty much what i was going to talk about as well i'm going to roll the d4 oh look it's me um <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler alert <laughs> rigged yeah the yeah taking advantage of um the existing rules but yeah Quite. so let's go over you so firstly emily you were saying that um you take out some combat rules for groups that don't enjoy combat too much. What kind of how do you how do you keep combat interesting while you're removing kind of pieces of it? Like how how do you how do you take bits out? Yeah, so um, sometimes when I'm playing with people and like say they're going up against a bigger monster rather than just goblins. Um, Sometimes it takes, there's a bit of a learning curve to figure out um, that you can do more than just attack a monster to hurt it. So I don't, maybe I don't know if I'm saying that it's much of a a rule, but I'll say, um, hey, uh, like after every round of combat, I will give them an opportunity to be like, okay, now as a group, and I'll time it, I'll be like, you have so much time to figure out what's in the area, and I'll give you more descriptions, and I'll give you more narration about the situation that you're in. Um, So that way, it's not just hitting the monster every time. And I usually find that people need that kind of a coaxing when they're brand new to it, and they're going up against their first boss. Um, The other thing that i'll do is sometimes with certain monsters uh and uh, i don't i don't know if you guys will approve of it but uh (laughs) i get rid of the the ac on the monster um and again it's not for, for that one it's when it's maybe not the monster but the other monsters that they're going up against in a room uh like the game of or kingdom hearts like the the heartless like if they're going against Heartless and the main boss is in the room, I'll be like, okay, these guys don't have an AC. And then it gives them mm. more of an opportunity to explore what exactly they can do in the space that they're given. So instead of having to worry about numbers they, the whole time. When you say they don't have an AC, do you mean like their AC is zero and they, you, you always hit? Or? Yes. And sometimes when I do that, it's like, oh, well, now I can actually look at all the hits that I can do. And they get more familiar with the mechanics of like their attacks or with their magic. And it gives them uh, a better idea of how they could use that to go against the boss. Um, mm. And I found that that helps a little bit. Uh, like sort of like a practice run for them to like try things yeah. out and see how it works. Yeah. Um, there was one game I was running where they were having a particularly hard time figuring out combat. And so uh, I had a whole room full of, just various goblins, and I made sure to describe the room in a lot of detail. And no matter what they rolled, they hit, and I used I justified it as like a magic component. But 
they started to understand exactly what they could do. And then eventually I start eliminating that rule as they, as they go along. That's fun. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I feel, I feel better about myself now. <sighs> Got that off my chest. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool mechanic. Yeah, that's cool. So, but is it not, um, does it, it doesn't feel like confusing at all if, if people roll low and like, hit anyway or do you do you like change do you do you slightly change like how you narrate it if they roll low kind of thing or yes um so if if they roll like between a one and a ten let's say um well not a one but like if they run roll between a two and a ten it's i kind of get more of the I, I, well, no, blah, blah, blah. ignore me. That's word vomit. Uh, <laughs> they do roll between a one and a 10. I kind of let them know, like, that's my chance to narrate how they hit. But if they roll like an 11 or higher, I give them more flexibility on how their attack works. Um, so it's kind of a reward-based system. Like, okay, if you roll higher, you get to explain more. If you roll lower, then I get to explain more about what happens, which is generally kind of what happens in normal D&D anyway, mm. especially if you roll cool. like a crit. It, yeah, like you know, you're saying, like like when you crit, you, yeah, that's cool. Like it, it's kind of like when um, in a Critical Role when Matthew Messer says, uh, how do you want to do this? And lets the player describe finishing off the boss or whatever. It's interesting mm-hmm. to do that with um, just normal fighting because um, I always wonder about um, having stuff like uh, hit location rules and stuff like that. Uh, like when, whenever, whenever a player is like, um, I swing for its arm or something, um, I want to be like, I want to be able to have those situations where you chop off the monster's arm and it's crippled. But um, it's not really, I mean, there's no rules for that in D&D. Um, but it'd be interesting just to be like the higher you roll, the more, the closer you, and, and if, if you like beat the AC by five or something, then, then yeah, you just, you, you, you do the thing that you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of DMs, uh, do do hit location stuff. You do, you make a cold shot and it's, um, you roll, you might roll a disadvantage. Uh, I don't, I don't play with that, but I know a lot of people do. Um, Dis- but the actual effect of what happens when you hit varies a lot. Yeah. I never thought about that being something that you make, like, it's not a roll. But I, t- I do that all the time, too, of just, like, if they want to hurt it in a particular way, just rolling with that, because then you get varied results. You know, you could have someone blinded, or you could have someone with, you know, no arms, and then what do they do, you know? Yeah, I, re- I really like that. It, it It's kind of, yeah, they, they, they have to be kind of flexible rules, I guess. You, you Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be able to, I don't think, I don't know if you'd be able to have, like, a good set of rules with, like, a table of like effects and stuff i don't know i i see i see that well, sometimes the, um, going kind of off the cuff there is a in the dungeon master's guide there's a table for lingering injuries mm, yeah uh it's it's the injuries that you inflict when you we it depends on what you decide the criteria is but you could make it on a critical hit and then you roll on a table and they might get a nasty scar or arm cut off or something mm. yeah I, I really love the yeah. lingering lingering injuries thing in general just as a because 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 i'd like it to feel like a high death game but i don't actually want to lose any of the main characters so yeah i think that's really cool but yeah so does anyone else have any um cool combat rules since we're on the topic of combat um 
think Kai had yeah, a, I've got a, few. a few cool stuff. Cool things. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, so uh, there's, I think it was brought up on the podcast before, but like, uh, this is the issue of moving diagonally on a, on a grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just um, when you when you move diagonally, you're technically moving further than you are if you're moving straight, just because hypotenuse and all that. Mm. And it works it works fine if you're playing on a hex grid, but nobody ever plays on a hex grid. <laughs> so um, one rule uh, <laughs> one rule that I picked up uh, I have no idea where it comes from. Um, the first time I played, a friend of mine said this is the rule, and he's it's not it's not the rule, but he was convinced it was. And it's that um, you can when you make your movement on your turn, you can move diagonally once, and then the rest of the time you have to like just move to adjacent tiles. Oh. And so it doesn't quite work out to be exactly how far you move, but it's close enough. Hmm. And obviously, it's a bit finickety when you have like extremely long movement speed, but it's it's anything more complicated is just too complicated. I find. Yeah, it's yeah. not something I've had. I've um, really had to worry about too much in the past. Um... Yeah, yeah. I don't like. I, I used to use. Hex, I don't hex grids. use it too much anymore. Mm. Yeah. Do you just have like normal diagonal movement? I, I do at this point, just because I, I tend to play with a lot of new players and trying to explain mm. that to them is a hassle. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Sometimes I don't know if anyone else does, but like fudge the rules a little bit as the DM during combat. Um, like I know for my first, my first one DMing, I was trying to figure out how how to sort of create NBCs that would balance out right with the number of players. Uh, and the first battle I got it totally wrong and they were just destroying um, the fight. Like the, the players were handling it like easily. And so just to make it more of an interesting fight, I kind of just added a little extra HP, you know, I, they were going to win anyway, but just to let it like draw it out a little bit so that they could, kind of enjoy the fight a little more and so i, I don't know if uh anyone else likes to fudge it a little bit but those first couple battles i kind of wanted to make sure that it didn't end in just a couple of turns <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah i i when i do that i always like to imagine like i'm sneaking health potions to the monster just like hey buddy oh yeah hey here you go man it feels really <laughs> sneaky too <laughs> Speaking speaking of that, why don't the bad guys ever have health potions? Yeah, they should be ready for it, right? Okay, another RPG thing I do in my brain is, you know, like when you're playing video games and right before you hit the boss, there are always like the array of health potions and like mana potions. Yeah, get all the health, all the ammo, just load up. I always like to think that the, the boss like took all this time to put it in his little crate and he's like, all right, I'm not gonna lose. (laughs) <laughs> this time buddy oh i have to hurry up in there though and he accidentally leaves it behind <laughs> like that was all meant for him <laughs> and then he gets into the battle and he's like oh no <laughs> oh but i don't have my potions wait are you drinking is that is that mine <laughs> ah shit hey, hey. That, that lunchbox of healing has my name on it <laughs> you're the true villain <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. I punch that all the freaking time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I do too much else with combat other than, like, but I, I've, like I was saying before with Ismay, I uh, haven't DM'd that many, so I kind of stuck to basic rules just for ease, but, but yeah, just kind of fudging little bits so that, you know, not changing the course of the fight, but just 
keeping it going. But yeah, everything else is kind of standard. I kind of got this one idea from uh, Matt Colville. Uh, he he recently had like an episode on how to speed up combat where he lets the players mark down the HP that they do damage to. Um, and in my campaign, I'm really trying to work making everything a lot more visual. So I've, I've made a board for them to play on. Um, I'm starting to make spell cards for some of my magic users with like little rulers at the top of the index card so they can see where the level of effect goes to. Um, and the other thing that I'm trying to work on is making like monster index cards. So like I have some for me and then I like lay out like where I'll mark off where on the map the monsters are in the area. And I also lay down a blank index card with like the monster name on it. And as everyone goes through, I'm thinking of having everyone write down how much damage they do so they can just pass it off to each other. And at the end of each round, they just give me the index card <laughs> while I'm narrating That's everything. Cool. So so you're saying that the, the card that has the stats on it is what gets passed around or they get an index card or do they write on the back of it? They get a blank one with just the monster name on it and like oh. a picture. So, oh, nice. and then as they discover different things about the monster, they can write stuff on it. Like that's, that's the plan I'm going with because now that they're getting more advanced monsters, they can write down like, oh, so-and-so, this monster can't get affected by electric. And they can just kind of hold on to that card after the battle. That's really So cool. they can say, oh, let's double check that. Uh, and I, yeah. I, th- I yeah, that's. A lot of my rules are starting to get into how can I make this also a more visual combat for them. Hmm. And then also I don't have to double check how much damage they do every time. And I can kind of get on to the next person. It's also a lot more tactile, like just having having a card to pass around and like... I think I think that like that have, have all the whenever you have like physical objects that you're like taking notes on and stuff um, and passing around the table is it just it just has a really good feeling to it I think. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I really like that, and also I really love having just the idea of having an image of the monster, um, like for basically every monster that you use. Um, I think yeah. that's really cool. I've been getting really into the idea of I I, I basically had never thought of it before recently, just showing pictures of where you are because i mean i'm not an artist so i can't produce pictures <laughs> uh if i can't find a relevant one then i'm stuck but um yeah but i really love that idea we have yeah. an artist in our group um who she's just really or they're really good at drawing um and so as we do the campaign um they'll just doodle kind of whatever is happening um so by the end we have this just um this array of of everything that we've done during it um and it ends up being really interactive because then you kind of see where you started the campaign of like oh yeah we uh you know messed with this shopkeeper and at the end you're like oh we're throwing dogs off the back of a boat like what like what are we doing you know (laughs) so it ends up being this kind of um (laughs) <laughs> this is sort of map of our whole night and we just kind of draw it around um the we just have a whiteboard that we play on with with all the squares so uh mm. it, it makes it um it makes it sort of this 
holistic thing. It's fun. Uh, that 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 example was so <laughs> so so D and D that it could only have been from a real game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty proud of that one. But cool. So, uh, Kai, you have a couple other um, combat related stuff. Why don't we run through those? Uh, yeah. No, I've got a um. Uh, in in pretty much all of my games, I've decided that because I just like the sort of the time period of the Renaissance, uh, all of my gun, uh, all my games have firearms in them, mm. uh, and so um, I didn't just want to reskin like bows and arrows and stuff because well, guns don't work like bows and arrows; they're they're actually a bit different. They and uh, so there's um in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's uh there's a table with a bunch of um uh, Renaissance period weapons and some future and modern ones but i just focused on the two renaissance weapons there's a musket and a pistol and so i um expanded out from that and uh i, I created a bunch of different weapon statistics that uh mm. that scale up what's uh oh, it, it gets complicated uh so the way um <laughs> the martial character the way martial characters scale in D D when they level up is that they get more attacks but if you're firing like a flintlock rifle it has the loading property, which is uh, which when weapons have, that means that no matter how many attacks you get, make, you can only fire once, uh, and that just represents the time it takes to reload a uh, a weapon like this. So um, the way it scales is basically there are just more powerful guns were available at later levels. Like the top end guns are like a, a hand cannon or an arbus gun, like big heavy things that people carry around, uh, and so um, they're available in the world, but they're going to be hard to find because guns are still new uh yeah and uh just how I, how i handle like because uh, there's no rules for proficiency in firearms how i handle that is um if you ever get martial weapon proficiency from any bit from a class or a feat or anything you can choose to not take martial weapon proficiency and take firearm proficiency instead uh mm. and I, I keep telling people you can you can you can get guns and almost nobody ever does <laughs> It's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like one guy who has actually like in in my games who's actually like uh, played a character who uses who uses guns and these and both both of his characters have and uh, and and no one else has and it's just like oh all right sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah my 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 game has uh, a couple people use uh, it, it kind of became someone someone basically wanted to roll a a total gunslinger. Um, and so, so my campaign now there now there are, now there are firearms, uh, yeah. um, but I really like it. It's um, there's, there's some really I, I really like the like really early, really really early gunpowder stuff. Like um, mm. um, there's there's a thing called a fire lance. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. No. Yeah, uh, I've got yeah. that. <laughs> it's it's like basically it's, uh... a big spear um, that you carry on horseback, and it essentially has a, a firework on the end of it. And so it just like shoots fire and stuff all over the place while you <laughs> lance someone, I guess. That's awesome. It's pretty but much it explosive was... yeah. on a stick. I know, right? <laughs> well, I just thought it was such a good visual. Visual. I was like, this has to be. There's like an entire civilization in my world who uses these exclusively. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm looking it's at the... pictures of it. <laughs> it looks so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it too. Just like historically, it was it just also wasn't very good. Yeah, <laughs> it's mostly just like to um, it, like make a big bang and scare people more than actually hurt them. You could get hit by it and conceivably mm. survive. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's just so silly. <laughs> it's a stick. 
And I'm sorry, the picture, the one picture I'm looking at, the horse is in full armor uh, while he's riding it too. And it looks like the horse is like, buddy, I'm not here for this. Where are we going? What is the fire? And it's, it's, it's just, I'm sorry. I went down a rabbit hole of Google. I can't imagine setting off a firework next to a horse's face and expecting it to be fine. <laughs> the horse doesn't look fine. Well, yeah, you could work that in too. If you're going to use it, probably shouldn't be on horseback. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I, I, I definitely want to think about having a, a rule for that though, because I, yeah, I think it would be cool. It'd be fun to have something that that's like a weapon that doesn't actually do much damage, but has some like morale effect. <laughs> no, I, I just, I just started it like as if it did damage just because like fantasy and mm, just okay. pretty much it's a, it's pretty much just one of the pole arms that does fire damage. So yeah. Mm. Nice. Do you make it so? Oh, sorry for, for for the for the guns and the firearms thing. Do you make it so that certain classes already have like uh, are able to use them easier? Um, what's the word for uh, it? Proficiency. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. Classes have any, proficiency with it. it uh, any any uh, any time you would get you you get martial weapon proficiency. You can choose to sub that out for firearm proficiency. So. A ranger could choose to not use swords and longbows and choose to use firearms instead. Okay. Uh, the other thing too is I also do use um, the critical role gunslinger, but in the fiction of the world, that's you're sort of like some crazy inventor who's making really ridiculous over-the-top guns that are prone to explode and stuff. So just because they're more sense. powerful, but they do have that um, they do have that uh, misfire mechanic, which my normal firearms don't. Right. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so I think you just had one more. Th- I guess we'll yeah, we we have time. Let's. Uh, so you were talking about formation fighting. Um, uh yes, yeah, so this sure. is the thing I use for um, NPCs, and it doesn't come up very much. But um, if uh, if I have a large group of NPCs uh, fighting the players, and they're all like the, of the same sort of kind of thing, like if they're all like foot soldiers, they might decide to um, not just attack in like a, a mob. Uh, they might. Um, decide to form up and keep ranks and maybe make a shield wall or something. So uh, I just basically like created a quick set of rules. And this this one's actually up on DM Guild if anyone wants to go look for it. I called it uh, Organized Mobs. Oh. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's just like if they want to make a shield wall, they just use a bonus. They all use a bonus action because they all... They're probably all the same creature type, so they all go on the same turn. And if they're not, uh, they all move on the initiative of the lowest creature in the... Um, in the initiative order. Uh, and so, yeah, they all, as a bonus action, organize into formation, let's say it's a shield wall, and they and every creature gets a plus two uh, bonus to their HC. Or if they're all mounted, they cool. could um, all, do a, all do a cavalry charge and they um, stop taking opportunity attacks and stuff like that. That's yeah, that's nice. We um I think my, my current DM has a similar thing where they it's just a it's a trait on specific creatures where they have formation fighting. Basically like pack tactics works, but um, Yeah, there's a bit of that already have in the rules. People ne- either side of you, then you have a bonus to AC from the front kind of thing. Yeah, there's there's a bit of that in the rules already. There's pack tactics and some of the Duragar in the new book, um Mordekhan's Time of Hose, have a um a phalanx mechanic, which is similar Ooh. to Shield Wall, but I came up with the first, so copyright. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of formation fighting. I like the idea of having flanking in the game because um, I, I always forget that this is not a rule in general in 5e um, as opposed oh, to the other um, editions. It's an optional rule that's listed in the DMG. Mm. 
So it sort of nice. is a rule, sort of not. I also want to bring up um, morale. Does that, does anyone use morale here? Because um, it's a big thing in like uh, older school, like old school games in quotation marks. Um, where you have like where monsters have a certain percentage they have a percentage chance to uh flee um where you basically you roll um when they first uh enter combat and you enter when they first appear to be losing the the battle or whatever and uh i think there's another time where you can do that uh, sometimes basically there are certain situations that um ask for a morale check for the uh, for any side yeah and you roll it but i don't know if anyone has, does anyone use that kind of thing i've never I've tried thought it. about using it but i've just basically decided to just decide when they want to retreat just you know, yeah because that's what i, I was that, i that's way yeah, easier because just because that's it stops what i do having to roll a bunch of things yeah yeah but definitely i do have monsters retreat all the time i mix it between their intelligence and their charisma so if they have a high intelligence and they realize that they're losing they'll flee or if they have like a lower charisma i kind of sometimes translate that into like they're not as brave or they don't they're not as sure as themselves so if they start like some of the lower level characters like if they start bleeding like they get worried from it and they start to flee like those are the that's usually what i look at but if it also depends from monster to monster but those are the two main yeah. things I look at. That'd be good to try. Yeah, I, I think I always just throw them in until my players can kill them. But it would be kind of nice if they had the <laughs> chance of of just running away. Well, it's about treating them as like real real people who actually care about not being killed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It makes more sense. Because <laughs> I mean, obviously, like a golem or a zombie is just going to fight till they die. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I, I just like the. I, yeah, because I think it's important to remember that that people will run away, and I think that having a rule relating to that is like a good way to kind of remind <laughs> remind you that um, it should happen sometimes. But yeah, I, I, like I, I also I've always done it kind of by ear um, based on the situation. But I also I, I I do like the idea of a morale check. Like yeah, probably just testing charisma essentially. Um, yeah, there's there is a rule for it in the DMG again, so. Oh, is there? Oh my! Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> turns out DMG. A lot of these are yeah, quite good. There's a there's a lot of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to do my homework. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> oh, fun. I don't read. Reading all the rules. I graduated with my degree. Get off me! Sorry. <laughs> I I do like no. the dungeon master guide and um. Never mind. I'm gonna stop because I don't know where I'm going. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, right. I have some coffee. I'm so sorry. I didn't get much sleep last night and I, I spilt my water and I'm like, okay, that's fine. My coffee's kind of gone and I'm just, I'm just here living oh, in the moment <laughs> with you. <laughs> so sorry. Please keep going. I'll just mute my hysterics for five minutes. <laughs> It's good. It's good to live in the moment. (laughs) Thank you. 
Hello, nerds. You know what time it is. It's time for the middle of the podcast break chat with me, Ismay. I'm back here. You can hear my voice for a little bit during this podcast. Uh, thanks again to Alfred for uh, hosting this week. He did an absolutely amazing job. Uh, also, thanks to Anna, who came along for the first time. And I'm sad that I wasn't there to get to be a part of it. But we, we, we will meet again in the future. Uh, so next week we are going to be back uh, with our live episode, so don't y'all worry about that. We'll get we'll get the live things up and running again, and I'll be back hosting. We've also got a special guest now next week. Uh, you will you will hear a little bit about that in the future. Uh, we'll we'll tease it on Twitter, I think. And then uh, yeah, it'll be it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be an episode on uh, improv uh, that we kind of uh, talked about a little bit earlier, where me and Alfred are just gonna kind of be sitting there with our thumbs up, like, "Hey, we we're here too. We understand improv. We don't have to write everything meticulously down. Whatever." As for plugs this week, I'm back on my gaming channel on Twitch on a teacup gamer, uh, where you can see me mostly play The Sims, and uh, we we've devolved into the murder. We've devolved into murder. It's happened. It it always does. You know it does. It's The Sims, uh, and I'm having a great time. So yeah, come come hit me up there, and we'll we'll chat. It'll be fun. Uh, you can also, if you want to do some more Twitch stuff, then you can go over to Alfred's Twitch on Penny Blue and see him doing all of his good shit. Uh, he'll talk about more of his his deal at the end. You can also see Kai doing his podcast, Brothers in Time, where he and his brother talk about uh, Doctor Who episodes and all that good stuff. Uh, he'll talk a little more about it at the end. And Ad also has another podcast for us. It is a Steven Universe fan cast uh, called Strawberry and Biscuit, which makes my little heart sing, like, because... I don't feel like I have to explain why because it's because it's Steven Universe. It is the cutest and the most beautiful and the gayest and the most like positive mental health awareness show possibly ever and it's delightful and if like you're not watching the show then you're you're a lost cause or just watch it and if you're not listening to the podcast and you do watch the show listen to the podcast. That sounds super rad so go ahead and check that out. As for Crit Chat, you can find us on our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Crit Chat, all one word, where you can talk to us there. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of, we do a lot of fun posts, uh, like we all get involved, it's a little cute, little cute community, and it's great, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just a fun time, I'd, I'd recommend it. All the, the loveliest, nerdiest people are on there. Uh, also where all the lovely nerdy people are, uh, is our Twitter on twitter.com forward slash Crit underscore chat. Um, where we we do we do a lot of chats with a lot of a lot of cool awesome people. Shoutouts to some lovely people who put us on some Follow Fridays on Twitter, such as the Another Path uh, Twitter and Abner Cineris. And yeah, just, just thank you for thank you for uh, plugging the show and showing people that we're here and we're amazing and yeah, all that good shit. Also, we've got some exciting news of our Patreon has finally started. Uh, you can get to that uh, probably in the description of wherever you're listening to this or go to patreon.com forward slash crit chat, again, all one word, uh, where you can go and support us and like, you know, help us out with the the, the funds that we need to, <laughs> to keep this thing running. Uh, we need money to uh, be able to upload it onto the internet, to host it places, and also uh, probably at some point will be used to fund getting a hard drive so I can keep all of the, the files on so that we don't, we don't lose it all into the ether. 
Um, you get lots of rewards if you uh, sign up. Um, at the, the base level, you get your uh, undying gratitude, obviously, and access to the Patreon-only posts with lots of extra tips and tricks for DMing for all of the things that we weren't actually able to get around to talking about in the show. And access to our Patreon-only server in Discord, where you can talk to the rest of the vastly superior people, obviously. Um, we've got a lot of different tiers that do a lot of different rewards. Um, you step up one and you get to get our upcoming Curse of Strahd game. That game is unfortunately only going to be available to people who are paying $3 or more uh, per month in the um, on the Patreon. Uh, but I am planning it now. And let me tell you, I, I believe it's worth it. I've heard of the, the characters that we're bringing to the table and holy hell, do they sound phenomenal. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Um, also, uh, we've got, we've already got a shout out, uh, for fucking the beautiful Emily Kuklinski, uh, sliding in at the pregnant centaur level at $8, uh, which if you do that, you get a little shout out on the show, like we do for Emily, our sweet, sweet angel child. I should have come up with a pun for this, but like, I'm just gonna say thank you very much for the Patreon level you're at, and you have our pun dying gratitude. ba da ba ba da ba also, I should put in that we uh, would love if anyone wanted to take some advertising space. That's what this kind of middle of the podcast break chat is supposed to be all about. Uh, if anyone has anything that they want to advertise, uh, we're a fairly like new and up and coming. Uh, we are up and coming. Uh, we're an up and coming um, podcast, so rates wouldn't be extortionate by any means. Like I'm, I'm happy just to take like a couple bucks and get your name on the podcast um we're just yeah if anyone if you have like a business that you want to advertise or if you have uh if you're like an artist that's looking for commissions we'd love to have you on the show and well we'd love to have me talk about you on the show and yeah if if honestly if you have anything that you want to advertise that you think that maybe our our fan base would love then i would love to hear from you um, I'll probably be talking about this more in the future, hopefully, so that we'll get some money so that we can, you know, make this like a legitimate business strategy, you know? <laughs> uh, as always, you can find our Discord if you go to the description of wherever you're listening to this and like chat to us there. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud if you search Crit Chat. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a comment, give us a share. It's a word of mouth podcast. We are not going to have anyone else listening to us unless you tell about us and like share our posts. Uh, comment on our Twitter, all that good shit. Just, yeah, direct people our way. It would be dope. Everyone will love it. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes if you search Crit Chat under podcast. Leave us a five-star review for the five-star show. Leave us a comment that's weird and wacky and beautiful. And we're going back to you being able to watch us live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. BST on A Teacup Gamer on Twitch. And we'll see you then. Bye, darlings. Cool. So, yeah, but does anyone else have any um, combat rules before we move on? Um, so. I do uh, have uh, it. Yeah, I've got one. Oh, go ahead. All right. All right, I will. Uh, uh, so, um, I, I just remember it always irked me that um, when you, when somebody makes a, uh, a check to, like a nature check or an arcana check on a, uh, like an enemy monster to sort of discern what it is, uh, there's, there's, um, there's no actual, as far as I could tell, there's no actual rule for uh, do, like figuring that out. Uh, so um, I decided to I've come up a system of a DC that you can set, which is equal to um, uh, ten plus the um, the monster's uh, a challenge rating.
So if it's a CR two monster, Ooh. the um, you have to roll higher than twelve on your on your on your check to discern what they are. And then I actually do give um, re- like valuable information on mm. them because I, I I remember being a player and just like stopping to look at what the monster is, and then the DM just saying like, "Oh yeah, it's a it's a troll." I'm like, "Yeah, but I knew it was a troll." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like that system too, yeah. especially when you're in combat and you're trying to figure out what something is. I think that justifies it a little bit more if you can like remember something mm. in that moment or if you can or if you can assess like the weaknesses or something of the monster in that moment that makes it a little bit more real. Yeah, so you'll you'll learn something like one of its features or any resistances or immunities it has and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I also like to give um give sort of advantage on that based on the character like if the if the character would more likely know that you know, like if you have a, a wizard, they're more likely to know about, you know, magic artifacts. Or um, I had one who yeah. um, was like a, a craftsman. And so when it came to like looking at things that were like made or structures and stuff that like, because their character had just read everything they could, then I would kind of, on lower roles, it would kind of skew higher just based on the the background that that character had. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, I've got a, yeah, um, like a tiefling that. player who's from the Nine Hells, and every time they do a religion check on a demon, well, I'm sorry, a devil or a demon, they they'd have advantage too because they they literally like that's yeah, exactly where they're from, and they hang out with these guys. <laughs> oh, hey, Steve! <laughs> ah, long time no see, buddy. How was the family reunion? That's, sort of, <laughs> see, that's that kind is, of what's that been the going on. The net twenty on the uh, recognizing <laughs> creature. That's my neighbor. <laughs> Ah, I won't be able to make your housewarming next week, buddy. Uh, tell everyone that I hate them, though. Yeah. Want to fight? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I like it because um, I was I was immediately thinking about like really high CR monsters. Like you're against a CR twenty, and you have to make like a thirty. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I think it balances out because then you um, when it's like a big monster, you you want the players to like do like actual pre research rather than like stumbling into it. I guess. You'll also be a high, at a high level by that point too, so your your intelligence or whatever should be higher too. Should be, but <laughs> that's true. So, shall we move on from com- combat? It was a big topic, but I think it's a I think it's one that <laughs> I think it justifies a lot of talking about. Most of the rules are in combat. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go to um, Anna. You suggested um, some. We should talk about some rules about survival and travel. Um, kind of like when you're moving around on the on the map, and like maybe 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 do maybe you do hex crawls. Maybe it's like just like point to point travel, and you want to work that stuff out. Does any do you guys um have some solid set in stone rules for that kind of thing? I don't know that I have like a set install uh, set rule system, but um, because I, I was gonna ask, I know some people really like that part of it of like. Um, you know, finding food and making sure that, um, like they like the, um, like management of that or like traveling, they want to really stop and see everything on the way. Um, and I think those are like sort of ex- exploratory games. Um, I know that I prefer to do ones that are, that are really story based. Um, and so, um, a lot of that I'll sort of gloss over unless the characters decide they want to stop somewhere of like, um, okay, you're going from, you know, like you said, point A, point, a, point B, 
Um, but if a character says, along the way, I'd love to stop at an inn and talk to somebody, then, then you kind of play out that scene. But um, if they don't have anything in particular, then you're like, and you're there, you did it. <laughs> or um, Unless I have something to throw at them in the middle to like throw them off their game. But I mean, I, I, one I did was just actually just, uh, they were being sent out on jobs from sort of a boss and I just gave him a transporting closet and so you just shove everyone in and they'd pop out at whatever location he needed. But at the same time, you, you have that where then they would require his, they would like, they need to be in touch with him if they want to get out because he's got control of the closet. So, um, so you can, then I could kind of trap them somewhere unless they could figure out a way to, to get to him. I don't know if anyone else has yeah. their, their style. Well, uh, mine's pretty much just the vanilla rules. So I don't have much to say on that really. Um, I, I've just started doing skill checks for traveling um, mm-hmm. because I um, I find that when I play, the the way I approach D&D and the way I approach Skyrim are not the same, <laughs> not the same vein. <laughs> um, whereas in Skyrim, I will download mods to, you know, freeze to death if I don't have proper clothing. Um, I... I don't really like that in my game and I don't really like having to worry about food except if like there's a special circumstance for it. Um, Mm. And so depending on how far they're traveling, um, they'll have to go through like maybe three different skill checks. So say they come across a river, it's, it's kind of Oregon trail meets (laughs) what would you do? (laughs) (laughs) um you come across a river try to roll and see if you get past it or maybe you drown and die um and so the (laughs) someone can be like oh well i have a skill that i can use and then they justify it and then they roll and um based on how many times they fail a skill check or succeed um depends on how difficult or easy the next encounter that they have directly afterwards is key so if they yeah. oh sorry sorry go ahead alfred no no you go uh, <laughs> so if they say they fail the river bit well now they're wet and now they're muddy um so huh. uh if they're trying to sneak up on so- like if they're coming up across a camp it could be either their shoes are very squeaky so the goblins hear them or uh, their movement is impaired, so they can't move quite as fast as they could if they were dry. I like sort that. Of, it's a cool sort of a deal. Way to yeah, that's nice. make it part of the whole thing. Thank you. Uh, it is not my idea, yeah. but I will take I will take credit for it. Excellent. <laughs> it sounds like uh, it, it reminds me of the. Um, I think Matt Colville again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> who a video I stole on, it from. Uh... <laughs> I don't say. <laughs> you can see him in my works cited uh, page. But uh, yeah, he yeah he like I I, I like that whole it, it kind of it it draws from the same rules as um, uh, running chase chase sequences that's the one yeah um where you like go from person to person like asking them like kind of like how they use it like giving them obstacles or like asking people how they use their their proficiencies to like their skills to get through situations. Um, but I really like, yeah, I definitely like the kind of montage feel to travel. Um, oh, I definitely. 
Oh, so sorry. Can... That's what I also do in combat sometimes. I just have them do skill checks to kind of like vary between fighting uh... and narration as I'll be like, okay, this thing happens in the room and you guys have to do a skill check. Sorry. That That's was cool. just a random. Yeah. We, is, hey, Ismay, can you edit that back into the combat section, please? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you do that to like, do you do that to like replace uh whole combats that are like wouldn't be that fun on their own or uh, otherwise or do you is that like something you just like throw in during a combat kind of thing uh sometimes it'll be a throw in i usually do it when i know the battle's going to take longer just because that way it spices everything up a little bit more and <clears throat> it gives them more to play with too so if they're just in a room and say like they fail a skill check well now the room might be different and so like they could be like oh well, there now there's this rubble or oh uh, it might have hurt me but now the monster's at disadvantage for at least a turn because of something that happened so yeah it just kind of it, it keeps every everyone on their toes a little bit and it's a good transition scene yeah yeah it's really cool i like the yeah yeah just making sure that yeah it comes across to the next person's thing and the next thing that happens in that way really cool. if i sorry in that way so if i only have one monster i can still do more between turns and i don't get bored yeah <laughs> it's more selfish sorry go ahead yes. alfred i'm, I'm so good. it's like it's like a like lair actions light yes uh, and more random <laughs> cool i always love random <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i was wondering if it, do you guys do you guys have like um do you get like a do you have like a table of wilderness things ahead of time that you use all the time or do you try to come up with stuff like 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 crossing a river for instance is that just like you just come up with that off the cuff when you're trying to think in the moment of something that they some obstacle that they could have well i like to really map everything out um I'm I'm one of those people who likes to like write it all down and then and then throw some of it out the window if you know it it always go differently than the way you planned it. But um yeah, I spend way too much time on like I'll make a character sheet for all the NPCs that I know they're going to meet. Um and so I'll I'll have everything written beforehand, but um but again, if the characters want to do something that I hadn't planned, then you kind of just I go off the cuff. Um, uh, they point out that they want to, you know, climb this tree because they need something from the top for some reason. You're like, okay, I guess we'll figure out how how much you need to, to, <laughs> to how skilled you need to be to get all the way up there. Um, so it's a mix of both when I when I plan them out. You know, I um, create a uh, random encounter tables. But uh, one thing I do a bit differently is because um, uh, the normal random encounter tables have they're mostly monster encounters, and maybe there's one or two just like hey you come across a statue of something. I make a lot of those like um, really mundane ones way more common. Just like you see a pack of wild horses, there's a merchant you pass by and you can buy their wares, and I just make random encounters more common to offset that to keep travel more interesting. Uh mm. I think I'm just trying to make Dungeons and Dragons more of a board game um, because I, <laughs> I I really like doing impromptu stuff. I love the improv, um, but uh, I've been making with my handy dandy index cards 
for random kind of things to happen during skill checks, I've written up a couple of scenarios and I have like three different piles between like easy, medium and hard. Um, so that way, like, uh, depending on what it's all going to be, I'm like, okay, can you draw from the middle pile for me, please? And then that'll be like the little skill check that they have to go through. Like whether it's the river or unlocking the door uh, or calling their mom. Uh, <laughs> which is medium of, difficulty of course in the medium difficulty but if it's during mother's day weekend it might be hard um <laughs> yeah um but i've been trying to incorporate that a little bit more just maybe it's just with like bigger groups um but yeah the more tactile that they, they tend they kind of lack it yeah it sounds really cool Especially if the players are drawing their card, drawing their fate from, a, from a, <laughs> a deck of events. That's cool. Yeah. So I feel like we've covered, um, I, I guess we've covered kind of two of the three pillars, uh, combat and <laughs> exploration, I guess. We haven't really discussed it ahead of time, but does anyone have um, rules that they like to use regarding uh, social stuff, like social interaction and RP I'm thinking about like there's there's there are some rules I think in the DMG optional rules for things like loyalty like follower loyalty and um, uh, stuff like that and there there are a lot there are definitely other RPG systems that have things like uh, I think we were talking about strings in um, Monster Hearts in a previous episode mm-hmm. where you like collect like you know you have when you have a string over someone you like can you you like yeah they ha- like you have a kind of social advantage I guess. But yeah, so does anyone have any rules that they like to use to like make bring more emphasis on social stuff in the game? Uh, well, um, I've got one that's um, uh, about uh, just player versus player stuff. So if um, if a player wants to do like some sort of charisma check on another character, um, that can be sort of potentially problematic uh, because they could be. Uh, enforcing like their will on an actual real person who has feelings yeah. and could get upset. Uh, that, uh, so what I what I tend to do is um, if someone if someone wants to intimidate another player, I let them make the intimidation check, and then say they roll a twelve. I and I, I go to the player who's trying to, who's being intimidated, and I say they rolled a twelve. How do you react? And I basically put it in their hands, and they can and I'm just make it clear that they could roll as high as they like, and you can decide that you are too brave and you won't get intimidated if you really want to. It's up to you. Because that's yeah. how I do with NPCs, so, so why should players so, have to do that too? So that you you don't have a contested role, you don't have a DC that they have to meet. It's just the only time I'd have a the only time I'd have a contested it. role is for deception and then insight because no, it's really cool. Yeah, putting it in their hands. Um, I like. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you just yeah, like that's a question that I've had as well. Like, because um, I, I like I feel awkward even when it's really minor stuff when someone when when we make like a contested charisma check or something in a game and um someone gets the better of my character or something it's like it it is it just feels awful even when it's completely meaningless uh what's going Mm. on at the moment Um, it takes away your agency yeah um so i really like that um i didn't realize that i had a question about that but you've answered it before i even knew to ask (laughs) (laughs) that's why that's why you're here congratulations you've earned your badge welcome to crit chat <laughs> i got a badge yeah yeah Has anyone else got a badge what the first um <laughs> you didn't see the little xbox achievement just 
kind of launch up. Oh, missed. I must have blinked. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you, now you get a free meeple at one point in your life. You'll just find one, and you'll know that that's because of your badge. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I sometimes have like loose rules with like how how much NPCs will like get along with the characters. Like there was one where I really wanted it to. I really wanted to know their the player characters really well and kind of play around with their like I asked everyone at the beginning what's your goal like what's your character's main goal in life and and what are what's their baggage and and kind of having NPCs littered through that would play into that like I had one player playing a, a dwarf who had like made your baggage with their clan they were kind of shunned and they were not they're not like a, like they just didn't get along with other dwarves, especially male dwarves. And so one of my main NPCs, I made a male dwarf and kind of the rule was he was always skewed to, to want to make friends with the player. Um, just to kind of see how that impacted their, um, their character. And on like the flip side, you have uh, NPCs that were made to like really good at manipulating because I knew that uh, one of my characters was very easily manipulated, like, easily manipulated and fooled uh and so you just kind of let it and like the other characters will you know kind of see if they'll protect them or if they'll help out or if it just goes south but you're just kind of throwing these little npc grenades all over the place to see how they bounce off of the players it's a wonderful metaphor (laughs) (laughs) it's a good way to yeah it's an interesting way to make use of the like um personality traits and um stuff that people write at the beginning that kind of tends to just just be like players writing their own role play guidelines otherwise mm-hmm. um so yeah it, yeah i like it it's it's nice to use yeah it was, it was, i think i think i might i might have mentioned it earlier i might have forgotten to but uh tying things into like existing you know stuff that ty- tying rules into existing ideas uh in the game like that it's cool yeah so do you have any do you have anything social wise emily um it's it, it, it moreover just kind of feeds into what everyone else was saying um I, I always feel weird about people trying to like um be romantic with other people and so yeah. um one of the house rules that i have is like all right well if you're going to try if like this is in your character you can't be a jerk about it you have to figure out a way to actually win their favor. Um, so sometimes I have them do like a little dating skill challenge where I'm like, okay, if you actually want to do this, you're actually going to have to work to work at it because you can't just get a nat 20 on a charisma roll. Oh, uh, it's so cool because you can have a winning someone over montage. The montage works with everything. It's so good. <laughs> I'm a really big fan of Rocky, so, (laughs) you know, I'm a sucker for montages and inspirational music. Um, And I find that when that happens, everyone feels a little bit easier about it, because if they're a jerk, then they can't win their skill challenge. Um, And if they're trying to figure out the NPC's, like, character traits and try to appeal to that, then it feels, it, it feels less weird which i find can happen quite a bit (laughs) so i'm like "Eh, anything i can do to make this easier 
uh, to narrate on yeah. my half, the the more I'm going to go for it. Well, you rolled an, an 18 on that charisma, so I guess I guess they're in love with you now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, something about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that reminds me of something. Is a lot of people play with a rule that um, uh, on a ability check, a natural 20 is an automatic success, which in the normal rules isn't, and I think a lot of people are unaware of that. Um, and and that's it's can be great to play with that because then natural 20 is like cool and great big things but they can be it can be problematic with problematic with the uh seduction check on the dragon sort of thing uh, <laughs> yeah you know and so yeah it's i mean it does birth a lot of extremely good D memes though so oh yeah it's true but uh it's it, it's you gotta roll with it or just stomp it out before it begins mm-hmm. it's like yeah. yes you seduce oh sorry well cool um yeah i was just gonna make a stupid shrek joke like, yes, you seduced the dragon, and now you have three donkey dragon babies, and you have child support. Congratulations. It was so worth it. I could always, We could always count on you for Shrek. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's what I get paid the big bucks for. <laughs> right, so we've gone through some... I, I think we've covered all of the three pillars. Um, it was not the plan going in, but... That's good. <laughs> um, so let's do let's do like a quick fire round. It's um, we're about ready to start wrapping up the show for today. I think you can bring whatever your what what whatever your favorite rules are. But yeah, so let's just go down the list um, and start with you, Anna. Yeah, most of it was um, certain artifacts I would build so that they um, like they had a magical property that was just imbued, like that couldn't be broken, but. You would have to. I'd still have to like convince the characters to either put them on, or you know, in game convince them to put them on or use them or whatever. So, kind of mixing this like absolute power with like they still had to make the choice to to be a part of it. I guess like a ring that if they put it on could paralyze them, but if they didn't put it on, then they wouldn't have to worry about it. Cool. Yeah, I like to play God a lot <laughs> in my games, <laughs> but but I still like to make sure that they can like they can mess with the system or they can make their own choices. But but yeah, throwing out those kind of traps. So Emily, what do you what would you like to bring? Um, I I know there's a rule like this, and it may be the exact same. But again, I'm not in school anymore, so sometimes I don't like to do the homework. Um. But I have a kind of, I call it my Expelliarmus rule, where um, if there's a spell that you use a lot, and you really like it, and say, like, you have, like, two or three, like, Harry, when he uses Expelliarmus in the book, like, that's his, that's his boo, you know? He loves it <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, so my rule is, like, if you use a spell enough, I don't care if it's a verbal spell or not you can do it non-verbally i don't care if you need something for it you can just kind of you can just kind of work it generally with spells i don't care about if you actually have to have materials to cast the spell i throw that away um and instead i'm like okay well tell me how you cast the spell i kind of give them a little bit more free reign on that because especially when you're a wizard that's way too many things to keep track of and i'm like nah yeah, you've 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 studied. You went to Hogwarts. You're good. So, Kai, what what what's your what's your favorite rule that we haven't covered? Uh, okay, so um, this is one I've stolen from a podcast called D and D's for Nerds. Uh, it's the, it's like an actual play podcast. 
Uh, and um, mm. the, well, the DM does in that, and I don't know if he invented it or if he took it from another edition or something, but he does uh, luck checks. So basically, um, if there's ever any uh, sort of random element of chance, uh, he'll just say, uh, it was, it was say to one of the players, highs or lows, and they pick high or low, and then you roll a d20, and if it's above, uh, if it's 11 or above, uh, and they said high, it's favourable for them. Or, um, or if they if they said low and it's uh, one to ten, uh, it's favorable for them in that case. And I, I just really like it because it just means that I can have terrible stuff happen to them and blame the dice. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you, you, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, it's it's the dice and you chose it. Like it's not on me. <laughs> and here too, because um, I could totally just roll a d twenty, and uh, and just to say that above ten is good, below ten is bad, but. By asking the player, I mean, it doesn't actually have any effect in reality, but it sort of puts the decision on them, and it's 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 great tension building. I, just, nice. I use it all the time, all the time. It's so good. <laughs> cool. Uh, I guess I'll. Um, I, I think probably my 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 top choice is um, spell failure tables. We didn't get to um, cover much magic today, but um, I love. Because I, I don't think there's any, like, you can't nat fail a, a spell in 5th edition. But uh, I like to have spell, like, spell casting rules uh, to see if it works as you intend. Um, and there's some really good, like, mistake tables in a lot of, especially OSR stuff. Um, like, some, uh, for instance, this this uh, game is called Troika, and they have an oops table. <laughs> uh, and, like, some some of the stuff on here is extremely good, like... Uh, all weapons of war in the vicinity turn into flowers. That's very good. <laughs> Basically wild magic stuff, I guess, but yeah, spell failures. Um, well, I think we're going to have to wrap up there. Um, let's go over some plugs. Uh, we all, a, a few of us do some pretty cool things outside of this podcast. Um, let's go down the list. So Anna, what do you have to plug for us today? Well, I uh, do a podcast with my friend, uh, it's sort of a fan cast for Steven Universe, called Strawberry and Biscuit on iTunes, or Berry Biscuit SU on Twitter. Uh, it's just fun. And uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Tapper 10 I'm on my friends, they do a People vs. Oscar podcast, which is comparing the Oscar winner to the uh, highest grossing movie of the year. Cool. Yeah, I've I've never I've I haven't watched Steven Universe at all, but I know it's something I should definitely watch. Oh yeah, you can get deep into that. <laughs> <laughs> Good, excellent. Kai, do you have uh, some stuff for us today? I do. Uh, my brother and I we also run a podcast called Brothers in Time. It's a Doctor Who fancast, and uh, yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, you can find us on iTunes or any podcatcher because that's how that works. And uh, yeah, so um, give it a check, uh, give it a look if you like Doctor Who. It's it's quite a thing. We um we don't stay on topic. I don't think any of the episodes have had more about the topic we're supposed to talk about than than what we actually talk about. But yeah, no, it's good. Uh, check it out. <laughs> cool. And uh, yeah, so with that, um, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, we are at crit underscore chat. Um, you can come on there and talk to us. Uh, you can tag us using the hashtag crit chat with no underscore. Um, you can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash crit chat or one word and uh, see what random crap we're posting in the week. Emily is uh, hard at work coming up with 
<laughs> only the best social media posts but yeah so wherever you're listening if you go down to the description uh, you can find our discord channel uh, where you can join in the discussion as well as uh, the link to our soundcloud where you can listen to and download previous episodes as well as giving us a like and a follow uh, and speaking of liking and following you can find us on itunes uh, by searching crit chat in the podcasts category uh, why don't you go there and leave a five-star review for this five-star show? Um, it is the best thing you can do, short of actually giving us money. <laughs> uh, uh, and finally, be sure to follow A Teacup Gamer on Twitch, where you will usually be able to catch us live, starting again next week. Uh, Ismay has her computer back up and running, so we will be back to regularly scheduled hostage. Um, we're all very excited. So that will be next Tuesday, 5 p.m. GMT. So until then, uh, I've been Alfred. I've been Anna. I've been Emily. I've been Kai. Oh, did we go? I didn't hear anything. Uh, Jack. We, oh we God, I can't hear anyone <laughs> saying anything. Well, it's... you've been listening to Crit Chat. <laughs> God. <laughs> See you next week. It's so far. <laughs> oh, one more second. Join us live on Twitch, Tuesdays at 5pm on A Teacup Gamer.